five cats, two pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And we have got a fantastic episode for you today. Yeah, we do. We are going to talk about the age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Aquarius. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Dude, I totally want to just like put my hands on my knees and like booty in the air and hunch over and propeller my titties to that song. <laughs> my titties won't propeller though. I can get like a small jiggle out of them and that's about it. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier though and if I had a wiener I would want to do the same thing with my wiener. Oh hell yeah. I'd probably do it more with my wiener. Dude I would propeller that wiener all the fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually might have texted you earlier this week and said, this is why I can't have a wiener <laughs> because did. I would just be distracted all the time. I was having a real <laughs> ADD moment or ADHD. I don't know, but I would just, I could not concentrate for the life of me of doing anything that I was supposed to be doing earlier this week. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think I could either. If I had a wiener, I'd constantly be talking on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first Five Cats, Two Pussies episode, we welcome you. This is a podcast about witchcraft and empowerment and witchy vibe things, which includes astrology. Yeah. So we are talking about, as mentioned, the age of Aquarius today. Yeah. Very excited. I'm excited too. But before we get to that, Lindsay, aside from the dick twirling, how was your week? <laughs> It was it was an okay week. It was like fairly regular as far as most things are concerned. Uh, last weekend we got to play D and D again. Oh yeah, which we was sure did. Super fun. It was so much fun. Yes, and and we we slaughtered stuff. We we weren't we quite did. murder hobos, but we were we were wrathful and vengeful and we fucked yeah. some shit up i mean so this was essentially like our second battle playing yes. this game and our first one i think killed our spirits quite a bit <laughs> yeah it was a real like kick in the dick yeah <laughs> and we were like afraid to fight anything after that because mm -hmm. we're, we were like well dan's just trying to kill us now <laughs> which is not <laughs> fair on dan like it no just it's totally <laughs> not it was 100 percent our fault that mm -hmm. we got involved in that initiative with that fucking mammoth that fucking mammoth and <laughs> after that we were a little afraid to fight anything, but yeah. I think that this was just the fight that we needed to boost our confidence levels again. Completely agree. We fucking owned that fight. Yeah, and did. I don't want to talk too much about the specifics because maybe you're a Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast and you want to play and we don't want to spoil the entire story for you. Uh, because, you know, also what we do in the game is going to be totally different than what you do in the game because all characters and all stories are just a little different. Yeah. But... We really, like, we really owned their ass. We really did. <laughs> and I don't think we thought, like, we certainly didn't feel that way going into it. We didn't feel like we were going to wreck house. But it, I agree. Yeah. We needed that moment of victory, not by the skin of our teeth. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it ended up being a much easier fight than I think we all had anticipated. Agreed. Agreed. I really enjoyed our heart-to-heart -heart at the end of the session as yes. well. Um, I think, I think that that was also a lovely bonding moment to really like define our purpose as a group and yeah. be like, you know, this is, this is what we're about. These are our limits. This is why we're here. And I think we're ready to move forward in the world as a, a badass group of biddies. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. You know what else I think we should do? Light our ritual candle? Yeah, I totally, oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally think we should do that. I just like looked over at the board and was like, oh, look at that guy. Look at that guy. Got me. Probably <laughs> we're going to forget to light again. Uh, I was, I have to confess, I was like three quarters listening to you and one quarter in my head going, light the candle, light the candle, <laughs> light the candle. <laughs> so... I actually, while you're lighting that, I actually have a cat story this week. They, so my cats are usually pretty boring. They don't usually do a ton of stuff. The other night I got home from work and I decided that it was going to be a great idea to eat some LSD. <laughs> so I did. And oh, probably like 
40-ish minutes later, I'm starting to feel it. So for whatever reason, I decided to go into my bedroom. My trip is just starting. I'm start, I'm, I'm like feeling a little funny. Everything's getting the like wavy gravy look to it. And I go into the room and I turn on the light and all of a sudden, like across the bed, underneath the blankets, there's this potato shaped thing that runs underneath the blankets. And I'm like, <laughs> I would, what the fuck was that? Dude, I would freak out. <laughs> I'd freak out not on LSD. <laughs> it was funny because it like scurried underneath the blankets and then I didn't see it anymore. So I was like, am I like tripping that hard? I was like, I can't be. <laughs> so I like lifted up the blankets. Nothing's underneath it. And as I put them down, it happens again. And there's this like potato shaped thing goes zipping underneath the blankets. So I'm like, okay, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Somehow pterodactyl had gotten inside the duvet so I had to like unbutton the bottom of it and get her out and she seemed like a little frazzled she immediately ran under the bed but I didn't really think much of it until the next day when I go into the bedroom and Brian's all pissed off all of the blankets and sheets are off the bed and he's like trying to sleep and I'm like what's happening in here and he was like somebody pissed on the bed so yeah I mean it's really sad but I think that pterodactyl in getting stuck under there kind of like got a little afraid and just pissed all over everything oh man (laughs) she heard about our Daphne stories she was like I'm gonna be cool I know (laughs) what a turd nugget (laughs) it's so not fun (laughs) oh well I'm sure that she was Eternally grateful for having you free her from her dungeon. Yes. (laughs) Poor little weirdo. (laughs) Well, I think we might be ready. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. There's a lot to cover here today. So strap in, pour yourself a bevy, light your candle, light your joint, whatever, whatever your jam is. We'll be back in a second to talk about the age of Aquarius. Yeah, dude. We'll see you soon, which is Aquarius. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> So I have to confess, much like your, I think it's twerking and uh, and titty twirling desires with this <laughs> particular song, I had no idea that the Age of Aquarius was from the Hair Musical. Oh yeah, but I have this very vivid mental image of like. 60s people in space outfits and when i think space outfits are like sexy space outfits like a like an original star trek alien <laughs> space outfit where it's like metallic purple bikinis and stuff <laughs> like that and they're all just like having an orgy on a bunch of like those inset couches down in the floor <laughs> and nice. some lava lamps that's what it makes me think of <laughs> So whenever I think of Aquarius, I think of that. Whenever I think of Age of Aquarius song, I think of that. Oh. And so that may flavor my opinion on all you Aquarian folks out there. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, it's a fun, sexy image. She thinks you're all a bunch of weirdos. Oh, man. I think you're a bunch of free-loving, space-jamming, drug-taking, music-loving weirdos. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it's not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we wanted to talk about the age of Aquarius because I think at the end of last year, end of 2020 into 2021, I don't know about your internet feed, your Instagram, social media feed, but mine was fucking full of. It's a new age. It's the age of Aquarius. Oh my God, what does this mean? It's starting. It's here. It's in our lifetime. And I was like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was going on and on and on about the great conjunction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which also sounds like some sort of sexy eye disease. Oh. That's I'm sorry. <laughs> Just what it makes me think of. It's like purple eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everybody was like all buzz about it. And I had to confess that I didn't know that the age of Aquarius was a real thing 
because I'm not uh, super well versed in astrology. Yeah. So it is actually a real thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's an actual, like, it's it's an astro, actual astrological event. Yeah. It's uh, it's an age, and it's super weird, dude, because it, it like, nobody really knows when it's supposed to start. Right. And I think that that was when we first talked about doing this episode, there was a lot of, like, well, it's the age of Aquarius, right? Because my Instagram feed told me so. Yeah. And then you were like, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> As the voice of reason and research, Lindsay was like, mm, mm, depends on who you talk to. It was actually <laughs> super funny to me that you brought it up because, like, several weeks before, I was like, this might actually be a kind of cool subject, which I never brought up to you. But I was, like, kind of looking into it. And I learned a little bit more about it than I had already known. And I was like... Oh, this this might actually be a little too much for us to do. I don't really know. Like, I I get nervous when there's that much uncertainty in a subject. Sure. Yeah. So I think that we'll preface with, you know, we're not astrologers. We're not astronomers. We are pod- podcast dorks, and so yeah. we've done a bunch of reading, and we want to share what we have learned about the age of Aquarius, which is by no means the be all end all definitive version. It's just you know. Some cool shit we read. Yeah, yeah. We've we've looked at, you know, several web pages, we've looked in books, and we've we've kind of collaborated on just like collecting a bunch of shit that people have said, which is all different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like the highlights. This is like the the Coles notes, crib notes version of the age of Aquarius. Which leads me to ask sort of the first question is what is an age of Aquarius? So the ages, as far as like the ages go, are, it's essentially like on what sign is behind the sun, like what constellation is behind the sun on the morning of the vernal equinox or the spring equinox. Cool. Now, it's going to be the same sign for like a couple thousand years at least. Some people say 2,000. So I've seen like 2,100. I've seen 2,150. And I've seen 2,160. <laughs> it all like kind of depends on how people are viewing the great year, which is like 25,900 years or 25,858 years or something like that. Right. It's not precise science. Right. Uh, but I think that what I was uh, encouraged to find out, excited to learn, was that this isn't just the age of Aquarius. We, like, entering into the age of Aquarius, we are maybe currently, or have just left, depending on whose point of view you follow, the age of Pisces. Yes. So, like, there's all 12 zodiac signs have a constellation that corresponds, and that's where these ages come from. And you, if you take that, like you said, you take that great year, you divide it by 12, it's about 2100, give or take a few, yeah. <laughs> depending on what, like, what number you use for that great age. But essentially, that's about how long each zodiac age or astrological age should last. Yeah. And they just keep cycling through. Right. There's a mathematical curve with anything, so I feel like it might not be exactly the same every single time. But what's even more interesting to me is that these ages move in retrograde or backwards. Right. And I really struggled with that when I, because when I read that, I think the precise se- sentence was the earth will retrograde into each one. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, well, the earth will move backwards into the sign. And I was like, how is the earth moving backwards? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just going to choose to ignore how that happens. <laughs> right. So like, instead of moving from Aquarius into Pisces, like we do in our typical year, the universe or like the the constellations behind the sun are moving backwards. Oh. So I, I like I, I, I mean like and I don't know if this is absolutely true but if, like maybe if the constellations were in front of the sun it wouldn't mm. be moving in retrograde. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Space is weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so this was like all started by our favorite folks, the Greeks, all the way back with a, an astronomer named Hipparchus Nicia, way, 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 way the fuck back. And since then, it's been fine-tuned, rewritten, just like re-studied with better like telescopes and all of that sort of stuff. And this is sort of where that like, well, is it this age or that age? Or when does the age of Aquarius actually start? Because it depends on how you view the size of the constellation. It depends on what date you think things started. And all of this sort of unprecise science gets a little bit jumbled. But we have some popular theories on when the age of Aquarius starts. We sure do. Yeah, we sure do. Some people think that it started in 2012. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Uh, and that's because they think that the star Regulus in the constellation of Leo Woo! was what marked the ancient border between the constellations of Leo and Cancer. Okay. Okay. So when the star moved to within 30 degrees of the fall equinox point in 2012, it meant that Regulus left the sign of Leo to enter the sign of Virgo. And if you presume that equal size constellations in antiquity, it placed the border of the constellations Pisces and Aries at 150 degrees west of Regulus by the vernal equinox point. Oh, Pi yeah, Pisces and Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and if we're looking at, like, opposite ends of the right, year. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th I think this is a great example of taking some really precise science and being like, well, if the constellations were roughly in the same place when this was created in, like, 120 common era, then this is about when it starts, 2012. Right. But also, I think that it really, really, really needs to be recognized that in antiquity, it was presumed that the constellations were of equal size. Right. They're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so their math was sort of wrong to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, like, some of the constellations overlap. Oh, space. God. <laughs> like, there's, like, there, there are defined borders borders have been defined i think it was like 1929 or 1930 um the international astronomical union or the iau actually did define the borders of okay. these constellations they they still overlap some of them like you, right. that can't be helped so that being said people do believe that certain ages will start while another one is still going. Like people do believe that the age of Aquarius maybe started, you know, a few years ago, decades ago, couple hundred years ago, and that uh, that overlap is still taking place. Right. Because it all depends on how you measure that size of the, that particular constellation. And I think that's a great example in that like the astronomer one of the astronomers like in the IAU I think uh her name is Jean Mias uh but she basically like looked at the 1930s version went backwards according to where they would have been decided where the like age of Pisces actually began in 68 BC and then went forward from there to say, based on the boundaries of the constellations as defined in 1930, and where we would have marked the start of the age of Pisces, and the constellation Pisces being in uh, being behind the sun at that point, she says 2,597. That's yeah. where we enter the age of Aquarius. So we got some time on our hands. Which is still <laughs> more than like 2,160 years. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, according to the size of the constellations, that's when we should maybe enter the age. Now, where does 2021 come into play? Because everybody was all about it this year. Yeah, there's a lot of alignment with Aquarius in 2021, for sure. You mentioned the Great Conjunction, which yes. was a star thing. Yes, yeah. So the Great Conjunction was essentially like, Jupiter and Saturn lining up. 
Okay. Basically. That but was they're like, they're so close together that during that time, it was like end of December, they started looking like to the naked eye in the, in the sky. It looks like they're one, like one planet right now. Right. That's what everybody was referring to as uh, the Christmas star. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they're so close together. They're lining up for the first time in like 200 years or something like that. But in addition to that, there was also the Great Mutation. Okay. Which is like, so Jupiter and Saturn, when they come together, sorry, 20 years, every 20 years, they go into conjunction with with each other. Every 200 years, they'll shift the element that they conjoin under, right? So for the past 200 years, they've been in conjunction under the Earth element. This year, they change the element to air. Right, which is the element that is aligned with Aquarius. With Aquarius. So not only are they in conjunction under Aquarius, but they've also changed the element that they are in conjunction under to air. Okay. And that's the Great Mutation. Okay. And I also read that there was like like seven other different celestial bodies that basically like also move into Aquarius this February, which is higher than normal yeah yeah because as i think as this podcast airs if i'm not mistaken we enter into the the, i want to say the age of aquarius (laughs) we enter into (laughs) aquarius Aquarius season season. yeah 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 we do so yeah there's a lot of big aquarius energy this not you know not just this aquarius season but also this year and i can totally see where you know that's going to make a lot of people feel like yeah this is definitively the beginning of the age of Aquarius. I Yeah, I, I get that. I think the biggest thing to remember is sort of twofold. Scientifically speaking, no matter like, like no matter where you start, what size your constellations are, the definitive is that when like when the sign of Aquarius is behind the sun on the spring equinox, we are in the age of Aquarius. That hasn't 100% happened yet. When it happens, that's when we'll be in the age of Aquarius. But I'm not like a diehard astrologer. So as far as I'm concerned, if you want to like fucking celebrate the age of Aquarius today, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. I'm, I'm sort of along the same lines as you where like once that happens, once the constellation behind the sun on the dawn of the vernal equinox is in Aquarius... I am 100% in agreement that that is when we will know we are in the age of Aquarius. Right. However, I do believe that there is that overlap. And I yeah. do believe that, you know, aspects of that age are, have been happening probably for a while now because we see it happening. And there's just, there's no definitive version of when it will be or yeah. when it was. Yeah. So you do you is the best answer that I think we've come up with. <laughs> <laughs> So I was more curious, you know, I think everybody like had a really tough 2020, 90% because of COVID. And that was an unprecedented thing in all of our lifetimes for the most part. And, and I think people were just like generally ready for change. I know here in the U.S. it felt even more impactful. We were by no means the only country that felt Things like race riots and gender riots and political disruption and anything like that. But I think that there is definitely from my social media feed, my friends group, they were just ready for a fucking change. And moving into an age of Aquarius felt like this moving into like an enlightened age. Like like something big was going to change and going to happen and and it's going to be better. That's the biggest thing. It's yeah. like it's going to be better because we're now in this new age of like enlightenment. Yeah. I, I actually like I sort of lean towards the idea that every age is an age of enlightenment in its own way. So, uh, for example, Aquarius in, in its age is associated with things like electricity and computers and democracy and humanitarianism, modernization, uh, even like rebellion and nonconformity, stuff along those lines. So it, it really is an age of like extreme modernization. 
And that could mean things for the better. It could also mean things for the worse, like, you know, dystopian governments and stuff like that. Right. We don't know. Whereas the age of Pisces was like very, very focused on religion. And at that point, when that began, that was also an age of enlightenment because it was something that was never really focused on before. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Pisces is known for things like universal love and compassion, but also altruism and self-sacrifice, deep spirituality. You know, as you said, it was sort of known as the the age of Christianity. Yeah. uh, Because that was the dawning of you know, a new religion and a new way of thinking for a large part of the world. And I think that it's important to point out that like all the different signs and ages that we've gone through have, have a different sort of flavor to them. And we've seen or can correlate, I will say, um, I'm more comfortable with that personally. We can correlate events that have happened in those ages to particular traits of those signs. So, for example, if we were entering the age of cancer, it would be like an emphasis on family, housing, fertility, like it's it's a family unit and coming together. And when we were supposedly last in the age of cancer is when uh, the Homo sapiens moved into family units, I suppose, moved oh. away from hunter-gather and into like agriculture and fishing and like let's stay in one spot and and live here as a as a togetherness (laughs) okay all right and the first age i love this (laughs) (laughs) the first age the age of leo (laughs) because that is the direct opposite from the age of aquarius um is a creative sign and this is where a lot of cave paintings were like were starting to show up now i don't know if anybody was ever creative before the age of leo people have certainly been creative after that but that was when uh that's when anthropologists sort of have determined people started like marking stories Mm -hmm. and history on cave walls and I thought that was kind of cool. Now, you mentioned first age, and I have to ask, are, do you mean the first age since, like, the history of, like, people, people. on Earth mm-hmm. has been, like, like a, ha, as far back as people date on Earth? Right. That's that's where the term first age came from in my, uh, in my reading this week was as it relates to what is considered anthropologically modern man. Mm-hmm. Uh, like as a homo sapien who has like has started to figure out things like language and that sort of thing okay. be like has started to be able to communicate work together has entered that particular i don't know if it's 100% homo sapiens or if it considers also neanderthals in that uh, that's where it gets a little murky for me but that's that's where it is stored starts tracking it Interesting. Super interesting. Because nobody cares what the dinosaurs did, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I kind of do. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned some things that like Aquarius relates to. And I was kind of curious when I think Aquarian, as I mentioned, not only do I think of my like sexy space age orgy people, (laughs) I also think of individuals who are really independent and not always like able to 100% communicate what they're feeling when they're feeling it, but have like have all of the feelings and all of the desire, but don't always have all of the like follow through. And so I wanted to kind of go through, you know, some of the astrological like uh, zodiac traits of an Aquarian and see how it could maybe relate to the age of Aquarius. Cool. Cool. All right. (laughs) So. Some common signs or traits of people born under the sun sign in Aquarius are channeling a collective consciousness. So all about the like togetherness, being able to bring their their thoughts into life with creation. So very creative, musically, poetically, this sort of like intangible thought, but not only just in a creative artistic sense, but also in a scientific sense. So it's an age of knowledge and science and being able to take these intangible ideas. Uh, And these individuals are often not only great artists, but also great scientists, 
um, great mathematicians, great discoverers, because they can take this idea and make it into something. They can be like, I think this, I'm gonna make it happen. And a lot of the times, they're, like I sort of mentioned, their good intention can seem a little detached, but that's usually because they're thinking more of the greater good. So it's not just their personal well-being, but they sort of have a tendency to maybe put that on the side for, you know, what would make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. And that sort of leads into, like, what, what we call the shadow side. So some of the, like, the other traits, maybe, that each sign has. So <laughs> I'm not picking on Aquarians, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's not all like, you know, uh, amazing technology and art and creativity. It's also things like Aquarians can be aloof and non-committal or impulsive. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know one particular Aquarian and now I'm just like reading these and thinking about them. And I'm like, mm, maybe. <laughs> um, really restless. Uh, that sort of like need to know more, not just accept something in blind faith or at face value, but have like that deeper connection and understanding and feel connected to the world around them is really important to an Aquarian. Uh, and then has that like energy to like start things and be like, yeah, we're going to do this and then just not follow through. I feel so conflicted right now, <laughs> dude, because... You remember like several years ago when somebody decided that there's not actually 12 zodiac signs, but 13 of them? Yes. If there are 13 zodiac signs, I'm not a Pisces anymore. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things describe me. <laughs> I Totally. Now, I don't know if there are 13 signs, if I am still a Leo. That I have not looked up. Yeah. But I did look up. The Because I'm just always selfishly curious as a Leo, I guess. I don't know. But I, I didn't look up yours. I looked <laughs> up mine. My compatibility with an Aquarian. And it was basically like once you can figure out how to communicate and understand each other, you will be like sisters, like best <laughs> of friends. Once you are like, yo, okay, I get you. And then it never needs to be discussed again. <laughs> but until you do that, apparently because... Leo and uh, and Aquarius are on like opposite ends of that sort of spectrum. Yep, There's they a are. lot like they envy each other a lot. They strive to be each other a lot. And until they're just like, oh, you do you, I do me, and we could do this together. Okay. Yeah. Until they get there, they're always going to be like, oh, why are you such a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I think if there are 13 signs, because you're born beginning of the month in August. I sure am. I, I bet you would actually be a cancer. Yeah. Which would make a lot of sense yep. considering that you feel like you more closely identify with. Yep. My, my moon is in cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, it's all like really super interesting. It is so interesting. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going off course. <laughs> <laughs> so to get back on track with the age of Aquarius, you know, I think what this all sort of culminated to me is that the age of Aquarius was really sort of around this like we versus I mentality. And so it's a lot more around the like, what can I do for the greater good? The end result isn't how do I become more powerful? How do I get security? It's more around how do we make humanity better? How are we better as a collective? How do we make our community stronger? How do we know something for sure? Take care of our, our more vulnerable, our less fortunate, all of this sort of mentality. And it focuses a lot on those sort of humanitarian pursuits instead of individual, individuality. And also, like you said, a strong disruption to the system. Not just taking it at face value, but really being like, why? Why is it like this? Is this the best way? And if it isn't, how do we figure out what the better way is? Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool, too. And I think that that's actually something that needs to happen. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think that there's, a, like, there's always a lot of uncertainty and change and scariness and change and uncomfortableness. But I think that there are a lot of things that need to change. And because we're starting to see just the like beginnings of that, and there's still so much work to do, but... 
It isn't just magically the age of Aquarius and then everything will be better. We still have to put in the work. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Yeah. So one other note that I did find, and maybe I purposely went looking for it, but I did find, <laughs> uh, based on Aquarius' free-spirited nature, I was curious how this could change relationships. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, and so this was something that we've started to see, I think, at least this is the first in my lifetime, uh, things like polyamory being recognized by where we live in the city yeah. of Somerville and that sort of thing. And so one of the things that I did see is that uh, an Aquarius, because they're drawn often to sort of unconventional relationships, that could factor into the age of Aquarius. So sort of a twofold. One was more of this sort of striking out against romantic conventions like monogamy and marriage and more of a widespread universal love feel especially as it relates to platonic relationships and being able to have like stronger platonic relationships or non-sexual romantic relationships as well as unconventional sexual relationships. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too. And I'm I'm actually like super surprised that you thought about that because I it's it's like not something that I would have thought of but I think that in retrospect it it it's like it makes a lot of sense yeah it's just it's more disruption to the system yeah. and the status quo it's more about the we not I and and I it's because I think of my sexy space bikinis <laughs> <laughs> so I was immediately like are we entering because this was also part of you know, the song was part of hair and part of like a big like movement in the 60s. And I was just like, well, how does that relate? This sort of like hippie love, free love idea. Does that have anything to do with the age of Aquarius? And it kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Love it. Sweet. Well, why don't we take a break? Yeah. Come on back. And when we do come back in just a few seconds... We'll share some ideas of ways that maybe you can embrace your inner Aquarius, your, uh, your preparations for the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Coolio, titty propeller. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon, witches. Welcome back. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we learned a lot about the age of Aquarius and how it may be now or it may be in 50 years or maybe it started 100 years ago. Yeah. Or maybe it starts in another 500 years. Who but knows? <laughs> <laughs> but if you are so inclined to celebrate the age of Aquarius now, what are some things that you can do to sort of like help settle yourself into this? Like, what does it mean to honor a new age? Whether it's Aquarius or Taurus or whatever, this could be the only dawning of a new age in our lifetime. Could be. Will be. It will be. It will be. <laughs> so fuck it. Why don't we just celebrate it? Yeah. So I looked up some different things that are suggested that are out there on the internet that you can do to like help usher in this age or really like reflect it in your own spiritual practice. And the one that I settled on and then tweaked a little is actually from a blog that I don't, um, I don't normally read, but was really into this particular article. So this is from a blog called Holistic Fashionista by Angel uh, Quitana, but I really liked what her thoughts were on this, and and I sort of took that, and then we'll tweak it to make it our own. Cool. But I wanted to give some credit where credit's due, because yeah. I didn't do the hard work on this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the thought being that the age of Aquarius is about community and intuition and understanding the why that revolves a lot of sort of like deeper introspection and being sure in yourself before you can necessarily be uh you know a hundred percent sure of other things mm -hmm. so that's where this is sort of rooted 
But I really liked, there was like three, four different suggestions here. And the first one is to create your ritual. So if you are like, it's the age of Aquarius, I'm fucking ready. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the easiest thing to do, I think, on this whole list is to start your own ritual. To have something that you do at a certain cadence. I'm not going to say go as far as to say it has to be like every morning or once a day because then that also tends to lead to a personal sense of failure because nobody's perfect all the time. And then as soon as you're like, oh, it's something new that I've done and then I haven't done it for like the last three days, why even bother? Right, right, right. So it's do it with a regular cadence. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's when you think of it. But make an effort with a regular cadence to start your own ritual. Maybe it's something like you go for a run and just have your own headspace. Maybe it's something more spiritual where you meditate or do yoga. Just take 10 minutes every day at some point in your day where you're feeling overwhelmed and just like sit and have a moment for yourself. Maybe it's smoke cleansing or tarot or oracle card reading. Maybe it's eating breakfast, like something that is just for you to have a moment to really think about where you're at, reconnect with your intuition, with your consciousness, with your spirituality, where you are in the moment, a little bit every day. And that'll help you get to know yourself better, help you reflect on maybe communication styles or things you want to know or Just be in tune with how, you know, the world is trying to move through you or influence you and make a conscious choice on how you're going to react with that. I think that's a great idea, dude. I think that, you know, too often we just don't take little moments like that for ourselves. Completely agree. And I think to be conscious of it is is a great thing and, and something that, you know, maybe we should all do that whether it's to usher in the age of Aquarius or just to like, you know, feel better about ourselves in our own lives every single day. Yeah. I love it. Now the second one is kind of connected to that and it's going to sound impossible, (laughs) impossibly to some people. (laughs) It's going to sound hard. And the second one is stay in the positive. So this isn't about being positive all the time. Nobody is happy 100% of the time. And it's in, incredibly hard right now with isolation and illness and turmoil in the world and political unrest. But because the age of Aquarius is about this sort of disruption and change, focusing on the positive is going to be really important. Now, whether this is in your own personal life as a collective in your community or your coven or with your friend group or as a whole, as part of society or uh, from a country perspective, There's only so much that you can do as an individual on a day-to-day basis, but staying in the positive and being aware of how you can control what you can control. So you can't control the news and how terrible it is every single day. We get it. But you can control whether or not you spend an hour doom scrolling. And (laughs) this is, I know, I learned this term this week. So you can choose not to do that. Likewise, it is up to you how you respond, how you communicate, how you process, including do you take that moment and go back to your personal ritual and really think about how this affects you, what you can do about it, if this is a choice you want to make or a change you want to have. But staying positive and really taking that sort of control over your own emotional well-being to the best of your ability. And that can even mean in the height of your depression, choosing to say, I'm not okay right now. I want to stay in bed. I choose to stay in bed or process or deal with however you want to deal with it. But having that, that moment of this is what I choose. I am ch- like, I am consciously choosing to do this because it is what is needed right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, not just about being happy. It's about staying positive, putting in the work, understanding there's there's always another try. There's the next day. You can do better tomorrow. You always can. And really taking a moment to like send out the good vibes too. And think about not just staying positive for yourself, but staying positive for those around you. 
and you know helping to lift up others not just you know not just having to be happy in isolation but you know reaching out to your friends to your family to your coworkers to say like how are you are you okay this is a thing that i saw made me think of you or this is you know something that you did today that made me feel really good even if it's something small like that just staying in positivity and this leads right into the third one which is use your empowerment so i think that this is where it gets a l like sometimes a little tricky and it sort of bleeds into the last one where it's sometimes it's hard to feel like you can affect any change or do anything of consequence and we're all you know still in isolation and separated and we're feeling like you know run down and drained and all of those sort of things so it can be hard to feel like you have any power at all but what you have control over is, again, yourself. How you choose to interact with the world around you, who you choose to give your time to, how you choose to receive their messages. And in a world where you can't control every single thing, take solace in and power in the things that you can control. Maybe it's, I'm gonna listen to music while I take a shower today. <laughs> Maybe it's, I'm gonna write a letter to my senator. You know, it doesn't matter what it is as long as you are making a conscious choice about it. And I sort of read something earlier this week online and it really resonated me with me around that particular empowerment piece. And it's not always about doing all the work yourself. And the, the quote sort of goes something along the lines like this. You don't have to be the source of light in the world. You can be the mirror that reflects it. And I really liked that as we enter the age of Aquarius, if we want to embrace that and think about, you don't have to do all the work yourself, but you can reflect the goodness and the light and the positivity of, of those around you, support and empower them. And I think that's how we all get through it together. I think so too. Those are all really lovely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> If you want to go and, and read the full blog post, um, you know, again, it was Holistic Fashionista was the blog, but uh, it was a recent article in January. But it was, yeah, it just it, it summarized things really nicely, and then I sort of put my own spin on there because, as I don't know, as somebody who doesn't always feel like they've got it together, or you know, has you know friends and loved ones who um, who have depression uh, or uh, neurodiversity and you know it just it doesn't always feel like you can do everything and the article was a like a touch like just be positive <laughs> and it's like well <laughs> dude sometimes your brain doesn't let you yeah. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't but I like the idea of, of reflecting even if it's not the positivity coming from yourself just trying to reflect positivity coming from elsewhere yeah. whether it be for yourself or for the people around you yep. I really like the sentiment sentiment yep. And it's okay if shit's hard. Yeah. We try again tomorrow. Yeah, totally. Sweet. Well, that was the age of Aquarius. Wasn't all lava lamps and and sexy bathing suits <laughs> like I thought, <laughs> but it was still pretty cool. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> now, last week we had a dope pussy of the week. The week before we had a dope pussy of the week. This week we do not have a pussy of the week. Not because we don't care. But because we have fucking day jobs <laughs> and, and, our, and our jobs have been particularly busy and taxing this week. So I want to put it out there to you listeners. I'm going to throw up a thing on Instagram this week, but you can always reach us at email as well and, and give us a more detailed explanation, really write it out for us. Love receiving letters in that way. But we would love to hear your nominations for future Pussies of the Week. Maybe it's an article you read online. Maybe it's something you heard on another podcast. Maybe it's somebody in your own personal life you'd love to give a shout out to and just acknowledge their their hard work, their positivity, their, you know, willingness to like fucking hang in there and try again tomorrow, whatever it might be, send us your nominations. We might not be able to get to all 100% of them, but we will absolutely read them and would love to, would love to 
just have your recommendations and, and share a little love of positivity in your lives. Totally, Dune. So you can do that by dropping us a line at 5C2Ppod at Gmail. If you want to give us like a full detailed explanation, that's awesome. Or you can drop us a line on Instagram for a more abbreviated version or a link to an article at 5C2Ppod on Instagram. Yeah. We can't wait to have your, your suggestions. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Do some work for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, you know, that's a great way to reflect the positivity of those around you and, and the work that they're doing. And we just want to share some love. Yeah, dude, totally. Well, I think we made it through an entire episode, Lindsay. We did. We oh. sure <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. But I have to say, I am super excited looking forward to next week. We don't often give a hint or let you know what our following week's episode is going to be. But this one's been long overdue. So long. <laughs> we have another Femisode coming up. We, we Femisode. Woo! <laughs> this is your first Femisode. Don't worry, there's only been one. <laughs> we are doing our, our second annual Femisode. I don't know if these will be annual things or not, but next yeah. week we're going to do a Femisode. Doesn't mean it's, it's necessarily femmy things, girly things, whatever you wanted, you know, sort of place on that. But we're going to talk about something that, that is near and dear to our hearts. Something that happens every month. We'll let it be a surprise. Yeah. One of our bestest friends. Oh, God. <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> well, can't wait to see you all next week for Femisode. But until then, hang in there. Spread some positivity. Find your ritual. Do a little dance with your titties. Swing that dick. <laughs> but remember, no pervs and no Nazis. Totally. <laughs>